Oops. Sorry. This didn't happen when he did Londa's podcast. <laughs> Here we go. Welcome back to the Gentleman's Dojo. To my left, as always... The lumpy, yep. The lumpy, Gary Cannon. By you, the way, you're, by the way, I saw your body this weekend. You did, and I commented. I mean, just because Hollywood's given up on you doesn't mean you have to give up on you. Please get in the gym. <laughs> but by the way, uh, <laughs> by the way, Steve said something to me pretty funny. He said, because Steve does this thing at the end of his show, he does sausage party, which he's been doing since '83. Okay. And and he basically he brings me up on stage. I take off my shirt to this boy band thing, and Steve said, you know, health wise, you really should lose weight, but. In terms of the bit, when you take off your shirt, it's really funny. So maybe <laughs> you should keep the weight on for purposes of this bit that we close with. Yeah. That's three minutes. So obviously the boy band bit trumps the health thing. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Welcome back. By the way, we just got back from San Francisco. Steve and I just did the San Francisco Punchline. So much fun up there. There's two clubs up there. There's the big one that celebrities play, and then there's the small one. That Steve uh, filled halfway <laughs> each night. Yeah, <laughs> it was dead, completely dead. Okay. By the way, you know it's dead when I tell the audience before I bring Steve up on stage. I say, "Hey, you guys picked a great night to redeem your Groupons," and the audience laughs. <laughs> so, that, I mean, if they didn't do that, if they didn't redeem uh, they their Groupons, didn't. they they wouldn't have laughed. They wouldn't have known they, what was going on. We okay. have a guest in Anyways, the studio yeah, today, Steve. Be kind. Quit being a baby. Fuck off. <laughs> you, dude. you could tell, Matt, that Steve didn't get a bonus this weekend. He's very upset. Up. And he's figuring out a way to pay rent let's this go. month. All right, let's do this. <laughs> so, up. by the way, <laughs> we're, we're we're closing in on almost 50 episodes, by the way. It's yeah. a big deal. But excited for this one. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a good one. I, I'll, I'll start the introduction. You can All finish right. it. All right, sure. This guy I met when I first moved to Hollywood from New York City. I was one of those dudes where... You, on stage, just so likable, damn funny, but off stage, just a great dude. And I gotta say, I, I don't think there's a comic in the world that wouldn't be happy to see this gentleman on the yes. airwaves as much as we see him all the time. Yes. Just one of those guys I think every comic is like, oh, he deserves that. You know, sure. sometimes a comic gets something and they shit on him. <laughs> Most or of her, the time. Almost yeah. all every the time. time. Yeah. Every time. But not this time. So yeah. go ahead. No, nobody ever gets excited when somebody else gets something. You know what I mean? It's, it's always, people are bitter. And all that stuff. Except yeah. if they get a TBS sitcom, because nobody <laughs> is watching that shit anyway. Right. So it's almost yeah. like you get a TBS sitcom, it's a loss anyway. But our well, guest the good today, news is, is that if you ever, well, you haven't, so people will talk about you. <laughs> and it's crazy, because I still get to drive on the Warner Brothers lot. Yeah. Let's introduce I our know, guest. I know, well, you're Come wasting, on. we're three minutes in, and you've Come already on, wasted time. Uh, <laughs> he's a good buddy of ours, and uh, he is the host of the NBC hit summer show, American Ninja Warrior. Love this guy. How about a hand for Matt Eisen, Thank everybody? you, guys. Love In studio. Matt. Love in the studio. show. A lot of people yes. just call in. This guy drove in. I drove over a mile Granted, to get here. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, it was a mile and a half. I guess him, I've been listening. I was listening to, you had Ellis on, which I really liked. Yeah. I liked the movie commentary, and, and I didn't know that the movie, Seth Rogen stealing the sausage party idea, and then I was just listening <laughs> to Dan Loria. Um, wow, great. 
I mean, Super the, the, great the history that guy has in television. So much. But so what much. I loved is is people, people, you guys are nonstop on each other. And if people don't know, they right. go like, these guys are attacking each other. They're like, no, this is how comics show love. Yeah. It's yeah, the yeah. nonstop <laughs> it undermining it and true. destruction of another's ego. That's that's what we do as comics. <laughs> is it's 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 I love it. I, I love that. I just remember when Steve and I, when we were working on Sullivan and Son together, and all the actors were down on the floor, and I would be up in the audience just shitting on them. Right. Just shitting on them. <laughs> Constantly. And the audience doesn't me. know. Well, Why is he being so mean? Eventually they get in on it. <laughs> right. Because what happens, but but a lot of the other actors on the floor, or if we brought in a new director, they didn't know what the hell was going on. Right. I always said, you know, Steve went to the Rob Schneider Academy for Dramatic <laughs> Arts. It was just you know, this relentless. is this is the only dramatic show I've ever done warm-up on. Right. There's no writers. It's, 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 so but at some point, the audience would always back me. They would always be so excited because right. it was like the us and the audience against them. Right. So Steve and Ahmed and all those guys would come up and try to shit on me, and they would get nothing. Right. Just be, but but for somebody coming into the fray and they were knowing, bombing on their own show. Oh my! You God, turned the crowd bombing. against them. <laughs> the best would be though, Ahmed would tell a joke to get back at Gary. It right. would Bomb, and he would still drop the mic. We're like, right. What are you doing, dude? Um, I gotta ask you out of the gate. So we always hear these, and I think I'm right on this. Where we always hear this talk about like Ken Jeong. Was a doctor, yes. became a comedian. You were studying, or you were? I am a doctor. Were, I got my MD. I graduated med school and was in Colorado doing residency. So uh, when I decided to take a hiatus, and at that point, I, I, I just, I, I, I was doing internal medicine, and my heart just wasn't in it. But I, you know, you kind of are kind of committed at that point, but I, I just felt like, I, okay, maybe I need to change my focus. So I was going to try emergency medicine, but you have to, you can't switch midstream. You have to take a year off and reapply. So I, I was going to have a year off and I just, I was like, I wanted to try something different and just kind of clear my brain. And, you know, people do ski bum years or travel years. And I'd done stand up I think, like six or seven times at that point. Wow. And I thought, I'm just going to move out to LA, do stand up for a year and then see where my head is at. And uh, how I, old were you, were you at this point? Twenty eight. Wow. Twenty eight. And uh, so moved out here. And within like three weeks, I was like, I am never going back. And granted, wow. I'm wow. going to like the gypsy and Johnny Montana. You guys, I, you, I don't know. You, you, you might not have been out here. Johnny Montana was the Jay Davis before Jay Davis. <laughs> this guy <laughs> who just hustled to put rooms on. And he used to do. Like TK? Like we did the, like uh, well, yeah, yes. But. It would be like we, we did uh, The Hustler on Sunset. And so you're performing in a room full of dildos, you know, telling jokes, but you're just so excited to be out there getting any stage time of at course, all. Of course, yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm bombing, but it was, it was, it's, it, and it's not like people, I, I don't know if they, if there is this romanticized version of comedy anymore, or at least how it used to be in the 80s where you'd go out on a Tuesday night and there are 300 people in a room. Right. I was going out doing six other comics. In Westwood, you know, Lance uh, Vance Sanders, <laughs> yeah, had his own hard yeah. wig, and yeah, and and Westwood I, but I just it was, I just felt like this is what I just felt like I came alive, and so I left. But what did your family medicine. think when you're leaving Denver, leaving the so, medical? So my dad's behind. a doctor. My dad's a world-renowned expert on tuberculosis. He's a professor at the University of Colorado, wow. where I was doing my residency. So like we we would work together. I mean, I, I think it was wow. his dream come true. Like his son's following in his footsteps. He's going to be saving lives, and I like sat him down, and I was just I just said I I don't know that my heart is in this right now, and I, I just need to take some time and. I want to try a year of stand-up comedy and just see where my head is at. 
And he said, life is short. Do what makes you happy. Wow. Your and dad said that? He said that. I, you know, I'm sure, like, after I left, he probably looked at my mom and was just like, what the fuck did we do? Sure. Oh, can I curse? Yeah, of oh, course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it was it was surreal. But he, I, I think he kind of felt like he he loved medicine, but, he, you know, he understood medicine. It's not a job. It's a calling. You really have to be passionate about it. And that, that was part of my issue is I loved the problem solving of medicine. I loved it on, on paper. But... I would just when I would finish, I was like, I want to be done. I, I don't, I don't want to go home, and and I would just feel guilty that I'm not looking things up, that I wasn't constantly researching. Right. That I felt like if I'm not constantly invested in this, I'm not giving my patients the best care. So there's this. Not only do you feel like okay, I'm not, I, I feel bad because I'm not invested as in it as I should be. I feel like I'm the standard of care for my patients isn't great. It was just this horrible guilt-ridden thing of I'm not a good person because I'm not passionate about right. this and people's lives are in your hands. So it was really, it was like a, a tough time because again, it's obviously, it's a respected profession. It's a great profession and it's a pretty steady job. People are always going to be getting sick. And I'm, I just was sitting there and I felt like a fraud, you know, that when I would go into the hospital, I just felt awful. So it was, it was one of those things like make the, the, People are like, oh, that must have been brutal. The, the hardest part was telling my parents because I didn't know how they were going to react. Sure. I had a sense they've been very supportive yeah. through everything. And you know, they, they're they like, look, you have your education. That's not going away. And I think they probably thought he'll do it for a yeah. year. Come back. <laughs> Come back. He'll get it out of his system and then he'll be... He'll but how did, did you know? How it. did you know comedy? I mean, were you fan? No, were you a fan of like a I, lot yeah, of comics back then. I loved stand up. I think it was just uh, because I'd never really done anything creative growing up. Like I played sports and did school, and you know, I never did drama. I never did performances, and so I, I. But I'd always liked. I was a younger brother, so I think it was kind of you know, hey, center of attention guy. Where I would always you know try to be the funny person in class, but you never think you're gonna do that for a living. So it was just. I think it was because I, I wanted to find, um, I felt like I'd always focused on the intellectual uh, aspects of, of life and just kind of, you know, this is your path. You do you do well in school, you get a job, you know, finance or law or, or medicine, and then you don't, you don't ever entertain kind of what makes your heart happy sure. or anything. And I think, I think I was lucky that A, my parents supported me, B, um, my grandparents had helped with some of the medical school debt, so it wasn't, it wasn't crushing. And that I could feel like, okay, I can have a year and not get too far behind the eight ball to try something. But I look at a lot of people who who I think never get that opportunity or never think that that's what life is about, that, that people feel like a job is an obligation. Sure. And, and that's one of the cool things about being in L.A., I think, versus any other city, even where there's entertainment, is I feel like this is a city that you know, rightly or wrongly encourages people to really pursue something they're passionate about and pursue a dream. And sorry, I think Gary. it's, it's, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but I, I, I do, I, I love that the fact that when you, you know, I come out here and I tell my story, you know, in most cities, people are like, you're, you're nuts. What are you doing? Right. And here people are like, right on, you know, go, go for it. Because but do you, you think, were... do you think back like what your life would have been had you stayed on course? So I, I, I was just in Vegas and you know, my people who I did my internship with mm -hmm. um, came out and they're, they're married. They, you know, one is an infectious disease doc and the other one is OBGYN and they both, you know, work full time. They have their careers, they have a kid. And I look at them and I'm like, good for you. I'm so happy you love what you do, but it feels like a different lifetime ago. Like I can barely remember what it was like being a doctor and being yeah. you know responsible and and the idea of if had I stayed in that, I I, I think I I 
I would have, you know, found found a way to make a piece with it, I think. Right. But I just can't imagine being as happy as I am doing what I'm doing now. That's great. And, you know, the there are times, though, when you, it, this is such a fickle business, and we know, you know, you... I was listening to Dan where they were talking about Sullivan and Sons, and he was thinking you're getting a three-year pickup. Yeah. And to go, well, you have these moments where your fate is really out of your hand more so than most other careers, I think, that, you know, we only work when other people let us largely um, in in Hollywood. Stand up a little less so, but but I think it's, it's a really fickle career. And there are times where that part of me, um, you know, I, my girlfriend just moved in and, you know, we've been kind of talking kids. And that's when you start thinking, Jesus, long term. But I, I realize with anything, uh, you you're betting on yourself. Sure. In any career, I think it's just magnified more so in Hollywood. But even when the cord gets pulled on you, you know, throughout the course of anybody's career in this in show business, when it does happen, even on your worst day, you're still better off than yeah. if you took that other path. Absolutely. Because every one of us had that moment of fork in the road. Yours obviously was <laughs> was a lot more yeah, intricate and laid 20s, out for you, which is as a doctor, you're probably you're making six figures, right? No. Oh God, no. no. Dur- well, during so this was internship. During internship, it's still considered training. So you're making. I was making. I think thirty two thousand. Wow. And you know, you come out with a good six figures in debt. So it's. And and even in internal, what I was going into in internal medicine, you know, the doctors there are making, you might make 125, 150, but but a lot of those, I mean, not to say that's not great money, but considering, right. like, if you look at the opportunity cost, having gone to school, having accrued all this debt, right. where you've got, uh, you know, after college, you've got a minimum, a minimum of seven years, probably, you know, some of my friends went after college, went through med school. I had a friend who after med school had another 11 years of training what? before he started his practice. Wow. Where and, and at that time he was making under 50,000 a year for all that time. What? And 11 more years? Yeah, so he's a cardiothoracic surgeon. He did his heart lung transplant, so it's- But now is he killing it? He's killing it now, but now, you're like, yeah. again, when we look at our friends who went immediately into finance yeah. or something who were making six figures out of it, you're like, he's gonna have to kill it for a right. very long yeah. time to make it and up. at the same time it's also every time he goes in there he literally has someone's heart or lungs in his hands yeah. like the pressure of it I, I uh i look at you know i look at him and he's he's gray and he's just aged it's a lot of sure. it's a lot of responsibility <laughs> and i'm out here like woo ninjas <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it interesting is, well, though when you look at the fork in the road that that your that your life takes well and, it is crazy too because if you think about living in la and i know a lot of people hate it and shit on it but it's like you know i get to do the warm-up at conan yeah, and i go in we and out we would never know that uh, you've never brought that up <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> By the way, he went from a doctor to a comic successfully. Maybe Here you should go. go from comedy to medicine. Maybe that might help you. Bombed. <laughs> Bombed. Uh, Aaron, edit out 1452. Uh, <laughs> no, I, what I was going to say is, you, so uh, you get these jobs, you get these gigs that you could only do here in L.A. Yeah. I mean, you're, it's, it's the greatest gig ever, but you can't do that living in Montana. Right. You can't do that living in Texas, which is the great thing about and that's, living in you know, When you talk question. to people, but no, when you talk to people and, and you, a lot of people will say, I'll be, people who are in healthcare in various forms, yeah. like, hey, I, I was thinking about doing it. And eventually, you're like, well, stay where you are, work as hard as you can, but eventually you have to come to this town if you want to make it. And we look yeah. at comics, like the, I think the debate with New York versus L.A., and in New York, the club scene is amazing, it's vibrant, they actually have real audiences instead of other Hollywood people in the crowds. Yeah. But 
eventually all of them come out here because yeah. you you know at a certain point you try to take that next step and get the TV show or be in commercials or write and there's just so many more opportunities out here so it's it's kind of a fun place where you 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 eventually get to see everyone come through and, and take their swings for for better or worse what were the blips on the radar leading up to present day with Ninja and it just being such a runaway success, what were the blips on your radar so, that you got little pink spoons? The you got little luckiest, tastes? the 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 first, I remember the very first I got a commercial within two months, and this was when commercials paid. go fuck yourself. Okay? Right, it was and that <laughs> I mean, was, the guy's a doctor. Two months. two months of doing it a was, it commercial. Was a, it was a fuck Pontiac you, ad. I looked like a Secret <laughs> Service guy. I don't. I didn't even have a line in it. Yeah. But I think I made, you know, 40 grand for a day's worth of work as it aired. And, <laughs> and you your started... buddy's in school for like 11 years. Like, well, I fuck mean, you, man. I literally, literally within, within two months, I was making more yeah. from commercials than I was as a doctor. And then I got another ad. And it was, so for me, it was, it was getting those commercials and getting a taste of there's real money to be made. Yeah. And then uh, the first one was the first hosting gig I got, which actually I got cast. I, that was 2004, so I'd been doing stand-up for five years. I go to the Groundlings, and I'm not even in the – it was a Sunday show. It, or not a Sunday – I'm sorry, it was a class show for Level 4, which I didn't advance. But from that show, someone's like, I want to send you up for the show at E, and I ended up booking – so I get the call from Groundlings, I'm sorry you didn't advance, which was, you know, at that point, <laughs> devastating. He's like, oh, my sure. God, I'm not going to be at the Groundlings. And I got a show at E called Screenplay, which the blank looks say it all. It was like a Fear Factor ripoff, and it only did one <laughs> season, but but that was the first gig I got. And that one led to, I did a home makeover show with Trish Sir and Niecy Nash right. uh, called Clean House. I, and I, I got it because of that E show. They're, they knew me at Style, the sister channel. So I got this e, uh, Style show that I did for five and a half years. We won an Emmy. We did, I ended up doing like over 200 episodes between a spinoff wow. show and that one like helped me buy my house. Yeah. And so, so that, that was the next one. And then, uh, probably the biggest one I had is I've been in one movie and it was Transformers 2 with Michael Bay. And I got to shoot one day and, and you know, again, everything I've done, Ninja's getting big, but it started out as a cable show. It's now network, but it's still, it's still a reality show and we shoot on location. So um it's big but even when we're shooting it you know you don't get a sense of this is i'm in hollywood i've made it so i shot one day and we shot at an actual air force base holloman air force base in new mexico and you know it's michael bay so they have c-17s they had f-22 fighters that are like 35 billion whatever it was that were just props in the background and i'm you know, I'm in a scene where I walk off an actual C-17 down to Tyrese Gibson and Josh Dumel, and Michael Bay's there with the Steadicam guy. <laughs> and it was just one of those moments where I'm like, I fucking made it. <laughs> right. Never done another movie since then. That's great. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even get to audition for it. But that was one of those ones where I'm like, this is Hollywood. Yeah. And, and for me, because I grew up, I loved movies. I loved watching movies. And so I've collected every ticket stub of every movie I've gone to Holy since eighth cow, grade. Really? So I made a collage with like all the ticket stubs. Um, it's not all. It's actually about a tenth of them. But like yeah. all these movies that I went to growing up and then right in the middle was my ticket stub when the I went to Transformers 2. Dude, that's great. And so I was like, it all led to this. <laughs> that's but awesome, here's, man. Here's, here's oh, the, here's it's, it's my prize piece of art. My girlfriend's like, that's so lame and so, <laughs> so vain. Lame. I'm like, that's me, baby. But as a kid, you're growing up. Yeah. Every kid goes to the movies and thinks, wow, how cool to be, oh to be up there. And then you're, you're on the other side. I'm in for like... But Three for like seven seconds. Gary, two movie. people can relate to this. Sorry. <laughs> um, 
couples retreat. Uh, but when you're in L.A. for two months, right, and all this stuff starts hitting and steamrolling, right, do you think, wow, this is a lot easier than I thought? Or do you know that there's going to be a bump no, in the road I, at some I point? Think, um, I, I think I still felt, because I saw, you know, early on I got to know people. I became, pretty quickly on I knew Michael Batts and P.J. Walsh. Sure. Um, they became, like, and that's what the other thing I tell people is it's so important to find people who are kind of at your level, yeah. who are similarly motivated, who will drag you out. Because stand-up comedy is a slog. And going to the open mics night after night, it's hard to do on your own unless you have someone who's like, hey, I know you don't – tonight I'm dragging you out. I know a room and vice versa. Um, so I, I, I think it was – it. You know, seeing people like Dwayne Perkins and Aisha Tyler, who I knew early on, and going, wow, these are really funny people. And I think early on I got the sense of, okay, I see I see that this business can can feel very subjective and feel very um, random. But at the same time, I pretty early on I started seeing people who I was like, okay, that, that person's talented and they got something. Mm -hmm. And so I started to see there there is some merit to it. It's just it may not be, you know, in the order you think or you may not get that gig, but you'll get something else. So it kinda, I kind of sense that – that early on, people who were talented were, would get their shots. It just you. You also saw though that there were a lot of talented people who just left. Like I don't. I don't know that There's some t people that won't leave. Right. <laughs> <laughs> won't leave Detroit. So I, I think I think I, I got the sense early on of if if you work hard enough and you have some talent, you'll you'll be able to support yourself. You may not get twenty million a picture, but I got the sense that it seemed like people were getting acknowledged when you're doing the the show with nisi and, and and are you still out there doing stand-up or that not as much because that one we were shooting so that ended up being almost a year-round gig it was crazy we would go two weeks on one week off and we'd have our schedule out for like two months and the problem was like i'd book something and then our schedule came out i'd, I'd have to cancel and so it kind of you know you cancel a few rooms and 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 it, even at this point uh it's still you know ninja warrior as big a show as it is people don't see me on the show. Like if I tell them I'm on it, they're oh yeah, yeah, you're the guy. But nobody watches that show and goes, oh man, I want to see that guy telling jokes. <laughs> so it hasn't like Ninja hasn't led to much. So I'm still, you know, doing stand up is still is is still a struggle. So none of the shows for me have led to club gigs. But the nice thing is because of the medical degree and I have rheumatoid arthritis, so I've been able to talk to the arthritis foundation a lot so i'll do a lot more corporate gigs talking to oh, wow. uh physicians group nurses group stress management through humor and you know do you miss corporate the clubs? yes yeah clubs were so much more fun but it's the thing of you know i'm i'm going out there and you're you know you're you're, you're right back some way in the medical field yeah it honestly, it's it is. It's, it's kind of it kind of is nice because I can ostensibly use the MD and combine comedy. Yeah. And other than Ken, who's too busy to go out and talk to doctors groups, there aren't a lot of doctor comics. So it's nice to be able to <laughs> yeah. go out there in a group. And and what's nice is now Ninja has raised the profile on that. We're like, oh, the guy from Ninja Warrior has arthritis and he used to be a doctor. He can come talk to our group. And you know, um, those corporate gigs will pay more than I would make. And you know a month and a half or two months of clubs so right it's it's as much as i like the clubs for me there's not an overwhelming demand for me to go there and then it's scheduling wise it's just been hard so i miss it but it i is miss interesting. it though and, like, and ego wise as a comic sure yeah you know course, there's something yeah. about you want to be oh i'm not funny for a doctor i'm not just funny in a corporate setting you want to go out and, and do the clubs but where were you when you first got the call you got the gig 
and you're off to the races with the show. I mean, you don't know that it's going to be successful, so but you, you Ninja get the Ninja Warrior was the first one. It's the first and only show I've ever been offered. Um, everything else I've I've oh, auditioned okay. for, and so they called, and I think I think what happened is, they, so they they did the first season of Ninja Warrior on G Four. It started out as a Japanese show for those who don't know. I remember they watching were, it on G Four. So they dubbed it into English. They called it Ninja Warrior, and it was doing so well. They said we're going to create the American version. They did a season of it. But and, wasn't it almost more a little more humorous where they were kind yeah. of making fun of the con- contestants like with the dub <laughs> with the dubbing though cuz there would be Which like cunt? <laughs> you said cunt. Yeah. Oh. You know what I mean. But they were making fun of these oh, contestants totally. like like they would have like these lily pad things and one of them and they would just get fucked up. Yeah. Like really a fucked up. A little more wipeout set. So yeah. initially the reason I got the gig, I think there were two reasons. One, I was doing sports soup at the time so like okay, we want they wanted someone who knew or who That's, had some sports credibility, yes. but who also had a comedic background. So like, you're the perfect fit. But I got the call, I think it was seven days before we started shooting. So clearly they were aiming higher than me. <laughs> and at the last minute, I think, you know, they were like, well, it, like I say, it's the, you know, it's 2 a.m. You're drunk. She'll do. And, I, you know, Terrell I don't mind Owens, that. I don't Terrell mind. Owens can't read a prompter. Yeah, I, Are you available? I don't mind being the safety. And it, it worked out It's it worked out great. So, you know, they called. And at that point, it's it's on G4, a network that no longer exists. It was supposed to be 10 episodes. And, and you know, I had no sense. At that point, I was still doing Clean House and Sports Soup. So this was like, oh, wow. Oh, it's a third show. This will just be <laughs> something we'll do. It will be one summer. Then Sports Soup doesn't get picked up. Clean House goes away. By the way, I loved Sports Soup. It was so much fun. It I, was that was the most fun job I've ever had, and it was talk soup, but with, but right. with sports. It was it. It and was it was the same you, people, and it was like people. same kind of like Tosh kind of environment, and you're it just was fun. The problem, the, the, the two problems were, you know, hockey, so you knew versus no one yeah. knew versus, and the other thing was that's why I was watching it. <laughs> unlike unlike the soup, where you could make fun of anything, and you would get Brett Michaels castoffs to come on there and put on a hazmat suit because they're STDs. Here. Versus was trying to get sports. So like all the, you know, a show like that kind of, I'm not an edgy guy, but a show like that needs to have some bite. And like all the best jokes would get killed because they're afraid we can't offend NASCAR. We can't offend the NFL because if they do, A, we'll lose rights clearance and B, more importantly, we'll lose the relationship going forward. So it it was a ton of fun, but it was a tough show to do. And then the other thing I realized is, and we've seen it like Norm MacDonald, David Spade, a few people have tried to sports and comp, people want sports. Yeah. And they want comedy. They haven't seen that they want sports yeah. and comedy. Oh, that's interesting. It's tough. I mean, I think like you watch you watch Sports Center and that's what they want. They want their highlights with a little bit of humor. Just a tad, yeah. Because they try to make it like a late night talk show, like Sports Center at yeah, night Scott in Van LA Pell. or whatever. Yeah, doing and that they, midnight one. They now. do SVP and mm-hmm. Bucci and stuff. It's just like, guys, come on. We're not it's there hard. for you guys. But, and I think yeah. it's getting harder too as people increasingly turn to social media and kind of everyone knows the highlights. Yeah. So when you watch Sports Center now, it's more out of habit or for a little you know, you want you want some some entertainment value out of it, but it's it's t- I mean it's the you know I, it was the same thing that when Dan was talking Loria, and he said like we got thirty million people watching the Wonder Years, and that was the lowest rated episode. Yeah, and you look at now at how even our show, um, our show, the, just the expectations for broadcast have gone down dramatically. Yeah. for what constitutes a hit, and you look at it, and it's not like fewer people are watching. Or consuming media, they're just doing it in different ways. It's so, so fractured. Yeah. Everything's fractured, and it's. I think that I look at the network, and they they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do with digital. So it's it's this interesting time of 
there are going to be these shows. But, but the great thing about your show, and... too, is that is that the show does great when it when it airs, mm-hmm. but then also you'll get somebody that, that kills it, like the girl, the stunt woman dressed as Wonder Woman. Yeah. Right? So Jessie I watched Rapp, the episode, right. but then also the next day you go to Huffington Post or whatever, or USA Today, and they post that link, and then you watch it, and those are the things I think that drive... Traffic. So you have totally. one of those shows that enables people. We to come we stumbled see. into the formula. Obviously, I'd love to say that that we knew this was going to happen, but it is where you know it's a two hour episode every Monday night. So tonight we're going to do two hours, which is a lot considering it's essentially the same thing. And we've got our producers are fantastic. They figured out a way to like tease what's coming later in the show. And it's the Olympic model of anyone who runs gets a backstory, so you care because mm-hmm. otherwise it's just a person on right. of course doing something cool. Um, but I think it's, you know, we've been lucky. We had this run a couple years ago, Casey Catanzaro, this little five-foot-tall girl who got through our city finals course. Now, the majority of people who saw this on Facebook probably had no idea what they were watching. But, right. you know, you hear us going, this is history! It's amazing! <laughs> and you see this little girl doing something amazing, and even the guys on the sidelines going, this is incredible! Like the other competitors. And I think it was just kind of, it's this bite-sized format of... It, it's, it looks like kids on a playground. It's accessible because, you know, my co-host is Akbar Bajbi Amil. He's 6'6", 260. He played in the NFL. And, you know, you, you, like you watch, hockey's a little more, some of the guys are, you know, 5'10", so, but they're starting yeah. to get bigger, faster, stronger. Yeah. And you look at them, you're like, that's never going to be me, no matter what I do. But when you watch our show and you see a five-foot-tall girl or we had a 54-year-old grandfather out on the course, and people are like, oh, yeah, that's, that is me. That's, that yeah. is me. That, I'm that age. I have that, I have that same, I'm 5'9", 145, or 175, whatever. So I think it's, it, the, the contestants are a lot more accessible than when you watch the other sports, which is another reason I think families like watching it for – you know, you got your kid who's like, well, my kid's never going to be LeBron James, but maybe they can do Ninja Warrior, and this is how they can get active. Have you experimented with any of the... So, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, we were just in Vegas. We shot our finale, and we By have... By the way, hot as hell, because I remember driving shot in Vegas. during the night, and... It's hot as shit there. It That's didn't the drop below realize, 100 right? degrees until, I think, 3 a.m., have they ever thought to do it in like Denver or something? So a we do, more... we do, we we will do the qualifying in you know in, in different cities. And, and the pro- the problem we always run into is we're shooting in the spring, so if we go too far north, the weather gets to be a variable. Like we shot in St. Louis and it was a couple years ago and it was 22 degrees out, and so the the water Jesus. in the in the obstacles oh. was starting to have ice chunks in it, but. People are getting through the course. So we shoot in Vegas because, A, we get the space. B, it's lit up at night. Um, yeah. And, and you can draw a great audience. You can draw well. a great audience there. So um, we're kind of wed to Vegas for the foreseeable future for the finale. But, but how does it affect those, those contestants? I mean, so what's interesting is does it or last does it year it was worse. I think it does. But So we shoot, the, we shoot the season finale. that We're out there for five nights in a row. And mm-hmm. we'll shoot the season finale for the first two nights. Then we'll do a Team USA special. And then we'll do an all-star and skills competition. And not everybody competes on every night. But for those who've competed three or four nights, you could see they start to get incredibly fatigued. And the yeah. other thing is they'll they'll try to train their bodies, you know, for a week they'll try to get on that reverse cycle where they're they're, you know, up from nine PM to six AM. But even still you just see them hit these points of fatigue. They just amazingly they, you know, they'll warm themselves up and psych themselves up for that run right in the middle of the night. But it's it's definitely we don't make it easy. Now, have you done? So, you, oh, so, <laughs> yeah, so we sorry. finish in Vegas, and 
Last year, I, I did a video where I jumped off a trampoline and did a flip into the water, and I was like, fucking nailed it. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do it again this year. But we had a different type of trampoline where instead of like running up and jumping onto the trampoline, you had to drop off like this six-foot ledge onto, we had, I, I think they call it like a carrier tramp, but these are like super explosive Cirque du Soleil trampolines. And I'm not in the best shape right now. I'm like 235. And, uh, and so I jump on the first one <laughs> and I, I was watching it. I have it in slow motion. I posted it on Facebook right after. My, my legs buckle and instead Ooh. of my body shooting up, just my feet, my feet shoot up <laughs> behind me, hit me in the ass and I just go face first into the water. And oh. like my girlfriend's like, oh, rewind that. Rewind that. <laughs> and then so I get up and I do it. I'm like, I'm doing this again. And this time I keep my legs stiff and I try to do a flip. But I just like over rotate, just super fast rotations and then go face first into the water. Got a black <laughs> eye from it. And I was like, I am so unathletic. <laughs> Literally, that's why I'm like, you brought me these cupcakes. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm trying to lose weight because I look like such a do, fat do, fuck. Do no. they maybe not want you to do... Some of the so they're like the... they don't want us to experiment on the obstacles. Right. It was because we were done, and I think I I ended up breaking breaking my foot, and uh, just like a little hairline fracture in the bone. But it was and they're like they don't care about my health. They just care about if I'm too injured to broadcast. Right. And then they're like, well, now we got to do all this stuff in post. So they're just like, don't do it. Not because we're worried about you, but because we're worried about the production. How Who's... long does it take to set that whole course up? So in Vegas, it takes a little over a week and a half. Wow. Um, usually in a city, it takes about a week. And they'll have it set up, and then we test it. And you know, the reality is... Uh, they 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 put these obstacles together. There's a they the the stunt the stunt company that does all of the obstacles has like a massive warehouse out in Simi Valley, and they're constantly building them and testing them. But until we get out into into the field, we won't have the obstacles set up in a row and set up to test one after the other. So it really is this inexact science. When people watch, like you made it too hard, We're like well we we don't know until the day of, and even with testers. The testers are never as good or as skilled as the people we have who are actually competing. So they're, you know, you're you're kind of fine tuning this course, trying to figure out how difficult is too hard, and keeping in mind that everyone from a four foot eleven woman to a six foot nine former NBA player yeah. are competing on the same course. And so men and women, 21 is the youngest up to, we had a 73 year old. And so you try to find obstacles that challenge these people in different ways that are reasonably able to be accomplished. So it's, it's and they, they keep getting better at designing these obstacles because the other thing is it's TV. Like we had obstacles before where people get hung up on a rope, but they hung for seven and a half minutes. And you're like, it's fascinating when you're watching the struggle, but you're never gonna show <laughs> someone hanging on a rope for seven and a half minutes. So it's really like, how do you have an obstacle that's challenged in a reasonable amount of time? So I give I give so much credit to the people who design the obstacles. Because it, aren't there people that want to audition for the show, so they'll build a setup yeah. in yeah. their backyard? I mean, you, on the backstories, you show a lot of people yeah. with their home videos, and they create their own yeah. courses in their so backyard. So what's stuff. been amazing is this camaraderie that's built up amongst the competitors, where it's become not even I, I wouldn't even say a sport so much as uh, like. Uh, it's for them. It's a way of life, in that it's, it's a new Everest almost. It is, and 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 these people, the the openness and support amongst the competitors is amazing. Where people will build a course, and they're like, it's you know, anytime anyone they we they got these Facebook groups. Come on, you know, if you're in Kentucky, come stay at my house, come train on my course, and then wow. I'll go with you to Tennessee and. 
they've built, they've created their own um, off-season league now where they have competitions for, you know, a thousand bucks, 1500 here. And, you know, people are starting to make money. People have opened gyms. A lot of our competitors have opened gyms. Wow. Some of them, like one guy just opened up his fourth franchise now. So, which is great because again, we've only paid one guy in our eight seasons, the million dollars, everyone else. So in qualifying, we don't pay for their hotel. We don't pay for their travel. Wow. Some people will camp out. We, the longest I think we had was 24 days. Someone camped out to, to walk onto the course and um, we'll fly them to Vegas, put them up at Hooters and they get like a little stipend there. But other than that, they're not making a living off this show right. unless they're making it through opening a gym or appearances and things. And so, I got wow. I got to ask you what two questions. Why do you think the show has resonated so much and, and it and it just seems like it snowballs, it gets bigger every year. Why do you think it keeps why do you think it's resonated with the with the public here? And then what do you love most about the show? So I, I think the reason it resonates again is is the fact that, you know, we we love watching the NFL and NBA, but we'll never be those people, no matter right. how hard we train. So I think there's a certain amount of people see themselves um in the competitors. And the other thing is that I, I think people don't feel that if they don't hit the buzzer, if they don't win, people don't feel it's failure. We've had a lot of stories. Um, we just had a woman on this, she's like mid-30s, gets a divorce, uh, single mom, gets a divorce in August, finds out December of last year that she has early onset Parkinson's. Oh. And devastating. Not a great prognosis, but the only thing she found that kept it at bay was exercise. So she just starts working out to keep her health and be around for her daughter. And she then discovers American Ninja Warrior. So she makes it a point to get on this show. And she comes on and she just competed. I think it was it was last week. And went out on the first obstacle. But was smiling and had her daughter there. And she's like, for me, this was the biggest victory, just getting on this course and showing that I'm not letting Parkinson's stop my life. And I think it's these... You know, for a family, I, I think it's a great show for a family to watch, A, because kids and adults can yeah. can reasonably enjoy it, but also it's this message of, like, hard work is paying off, and you don't necessarily have to win the Super Bowl trophy to be a hero. Sometimes it's just overcoming these obstacles in your life. So I think it's it's the fact that it's these everyday people doing these amazing things makes it relatable. And I think I think that's been the biggest thing that's made the show resonate, that and incredible hosting. <laughs> I always put that in in case NBC is listening. I want to make sure I get paid. For me, the most fun has been getting to know the competitors over the years because mm -hmm. it's now my seventh year on it, and we've had people competing every season. And you get to know, like you, you know, we I become friends with them on Facebook and Twitter, and you see that this is a full time lifestyle and how much they've dedicated to it and how much it means to them and how many of these new people, the new athletes, universally get embraced. Yeah. Instead of, you know, like comics sometimes, oh, there's a hot new person and the old comics get a little <laughs> jealous or salty or they'll freeze them out or they'll, oh, no, he's not going before me. I'm, 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 I'm not cutting my time. And it's the complete opposite on the show where they've embraced each other. So it's been it's been cool seeing this community grow. And and it's just it's I mean, the, it's it's really nice having a job that, you know, we do so many things that no one ever sees. Yeah. Or even if it's on air, people don't know it. And Shut it's nice. Head. It's nice finally having a show that most people know or my friends know, because, again, like, you know, they they all knew when I was a doctor and I left. And now it's kind of like, OK, it's it's been a 
you know, I've been out here now almost 17 years and they're like, you've been working and you, you have a show we know. So it's nice to kind of feel like, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. Huh? I wasn't that stupid. <laughs> Cut is, to Ninja Warrior gets canceled. I'm like, homeless. Is it is it a lot of prep work for you going in and getting ready for the show before it is. you so start we, filming? You know, like uh, on a given night, we'll have, on the first night, we'll have between um, 100 to 130 runners. And oh, my God. Most of them will have packages. So we'll watch the videos on everyone who's coming on the course and we get like a back um, a background bio on them. And you try to learn as much information on them and... We'll go out and then talk to him and you just want to have stories or, you know, what are you most worried about? Or, you know, is there anything physical that, that we need to know? Just because you want to tell their stories right. And uh, so, but but again, it's, you know, on the grand scheme, we shoot the entire season in 15 shoot days, spread out over about wow. three months. And then I'll have, you know, one four hour voiceover session a week. So as far as, you know, TV commitments go, this, it couldn't be much less. It's It's actually a, Again, I'm hoping they're my bosses. Aren't it's a really easy gig, <laughs> yeah, and it's a ton of fun. Well, um, well deserved. Thanks. Man. And you are very it. active on Twitter because I I yes. follow you. I see a lot of the things that you post. Well, Where I live tweet. I always you? apologize. It's at Matt Eisman, M A T T I S E M A N. It's the same thing on Facebook and I Snapchat, and you know that's part of the thing where our our business is letting people you know. It's self-promotion. But and, you got to do it. But it's also yeah. fun, like, if you're a fan of the show like I am, to get to go and see. It's the fun. And I like live tweeting and, you know, answering questions or giving people a behind-the-scenes look or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, I, I, I love, like, if, if I see someone and their kid's a fan, like, recording a video for them. Because I, I, I think, like, how cool would it have been? It's probably a lot less special now. But growing up, I was thinking, like, I love the $6 million man. And if Lee Majors had ever been like, hey, Matt Eisman, work hard and someday you'll beat Bionic, I would have been like, what? This is awesome. Although I'm sure kids nowadays are like, whatever. I think it still means something. And that's that's exactly why, to go back to the intro, why I think every comic roots for you is that oh, you have that great moral compass where you're still that kid with that ticket stub. Yeah. And you're looking to make a memory for somebody like, else. I still, I like you said, I still... Look at what what we do on a given day is what most people would dream about, like getting yeah. to go be in front of a crowd or or you know tell jokes or be on camera or be involved in Hollywood, be behind the scenes. It's like this is what you know we're we're every people's we're creating every people's escape. Yeah, everyone's escape. So it's it is a ton of fun, and you just try to. Remember do they have to guard that course at night? Yeah, I, I mean, think yeah, so. you can't. People people love to get on it. And sure, no one gets on it without a signing a huge release. Oh wow! Um, and then they they you know they they also have to control. They don't want competitors. You you don't get a practice on it. You know they don't know what they're going to face until they see it. But they don't they don't get practice runs. So they try to make sure that it's very controlled who gets on it. This is my my last question. What is the most deceiving? What is the most deceiving aspect of it? Is it the wall? Is it that leapfrog thing at the beginning? Because that looks it, easy. It totally to me, depends. But... It it depends on every city's different, and a lot of it. It's funny. It's psychological too. I think yeah. that people get a barrier. Like if a couple people fall on an obstacle, you'll just see other people get intimidated by it. So I honestly, I think it's the mental approach to a lot of them. Right. But it it depends on your your background. Like if you're a rock climber, anything with grip strength is easy. Right. But if you're not, it's brutal. And I think so much of it is based on, you know, if you're a gymnast, the balance ones are pretty easy for you. So it's different for every person. For me, the tough ones, like we did uh, a rolling log where you wrap yourself around yeah. a log. Oh, yeah. And every season, the log gets <laughs> narrower and it gets steeper. So now it used to be like you'd spin two or three times. Now they're spinning nine times. And people are getting 
launch, <laughs> launch, yeah. slap, their heads are getting knocked, and then they get up and they look drunk. Yeah. So for me, I was like, that would be impossible. Have you seen somebody get hurt really bad? Amazingly, we the serious injuries we've had are under 10. The worst was a, a knee, a guy, and it was just a fluke, like came down, twisted his knee, but blew his knee up, but then came back next year and was competing. Wow. Um, seen a couple Achilles, which are always ugly because you're like, that's, that's a good nine months of rehab before you're normal again um, but all of them have come back um, and wow. then like a, a fair amount of separated shoulders but surprisingly um, you know an occasional like torn finger blood but but not bad they do a very good job trying to design a course that's safe and and people who come out are by and large in fairly good shape yeah hence me breaking my foot <laughs> trying it unprepared. there's got to be medics on staff oh right? yeah, yeah totally we, no, we actually, no, no there's no medics so we did on, like a guy separated oh, his shoulder and everyone's like uh Eisman, aren't you a doctor? And I'm like, well, <laughs> well, yeah, we just uh, save you know what? money. We we actually had another competitor who was an active ER physician, so he put the guy's shoulder back in the sock. Oh, you got this one. Next one's next one's on me. You get this one. We we always say too, Steve and I talk about like the guy who designs the games for Survivor. Like, there's all these cool jobs out there. Well, that's so that it's nobody it, would know right. was even in the profession. But it's so hard. It's so hard to come up with these competitions that are fair for men and women, old and young, and sure. that are mentally challenging that are going to play well on TV. Because when you see a bad a bad challenge it's hard it's hard to put a finger on it, but you're just like i'm bored by this right but a great one you know pits people evenly and and it's that's why it's, the wall is so great it's so basic yeah you just have to run up and get the get the but it's it's like can they do it right. I, I, i'm still intrigued i can watch that a thousand times it's, i love i, I honestly fun. i love this show i'm Thanks, a fan buddy. of yours however i can't I, say that to you i should say something really quickly we uh don't watch it as actively as we should because the problem is you're on Monday nights and Steve and I have another little vice that we watch over on ABC The Bachelor. The oh, yeah. <laughs> but I do DVR. So yeah. we do DVR, but uh, Steve what? and I do have a, a little Bachelor viewing oh. party with him and his wife. That we, that's it, our guilty it, it, pleasure. Well, this, I mean, like, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't watch it, but I, the, the guys they've had this season are incredible. Oh, what my God. Casting. The worst. The worst. The worst, which means the best. The best. The best, yeah. The best. <laughs> By well, the way, Monday I, nights, I, I NBC, question, yeah, right? Monday nights, NBC. I do have a question for Matt. What What is the, the the kind of the best thing that you've gotten to do since you work for NBC? And just like, what's a cool thing that you've gotten to do as a result of American Ninja Warrior? Well, we were just, uh, uh, what did we get to do? We got to, we got to go to the Indy, we got to go to Indy and like take a lap on the track, which was cool, mm. right before the 100th running of the Indy 500. Um, honestly, anything where I get to meet celebs, I'm still such a star fucker. I love famous people. I get so excited. Like, that person's famous. Who have you met uh, that you really loved? Um, who have I met? Well, I, I, I did. You know, the, the nicest person I met in Hollywood was Mark Harmon. I, I, I got like a walk on on NCIS once, and he was a guy where I was like, that set was the best set I'd seen. And that, you know, at that point it was. I think five years in, it was already okay. like, you know, one of the most watched shows. And he, he, you know, ate lunch with every, like I walked out, you know, again, this was like a two line thing. And I walked out and I, I he was the only person out cause it was up in Santa Clarita. I'm like, I'm so sorry to bother you, Mr. Harmon. I'm just looking where to check. And he's like, Oh, what's your name? Well, come on, Matt, let's go find, we'll go find who you got to, <laughs> and like walk with me and then ate lunch with me. And I was just like, I could see why everyone loves this guy. He's oh, that's the awesome. Guy. Um, yeah, everyone's been nice. We've met, um, God, I'm, I'm drawing blanks right now. I met uh, Blake, Blake Shelton briefly. He was super cool. Yeah, he was And like I like that. Guy. He's a guy, another guy where I, I look at the people on The Voice who I always appreciate when people understand, yeah, this show has taken me to the next level. Right. Like Shelton yeah. has gone 
astronomically larger from that show, and and he appreciates it. And I'm, I always like that, as opposed to people who then so many people abused. don't embrace. Yeah, you or know, who's what? like, you know what? I'm gonna walk. I, I never understand people who walk away from a hit show where they think, oh, this is like, do you know how rare it is to have something stay on the yeah, air? That's, that's the reason Fucking you ride that here. thing, right? You moved you it for it. that. Oh, you're such an artist. Now you're going to create the next. It was no, David Caruso leading NYPD Blue after the first <laughs> season. I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. That like, was they're going to have to drag me away from Ninja Warrior, which I'm sure they will. But, but... <laughs> no, that's that's on for it's, a long time. Yeah, it just hopefully. seems like one of it's those great. staples that it's going to be part of it's the great. fabric of of entertainment. We cannot thank you enough yeah, for coming thanks, in. Guys. Really, really thanks appreciate it. Of course. And congrats. You're closing in on 50 episodes. We're close. You are I gentlemen. think you're 49. This is big. I think that's 49. We're big. I don't know. But uh, close. Monday nights, on NBC. Monday nights, Monday NBC. nights, NBC. What, what is the Twitter and At everything? Matt Eisman. M-A-T-T-I-S-E-M-A-N. Spend Anything you want to say, Gary? Uh, we are going to be uh, at the uh, Stand Up Live in Phoenix coming up in a couple of weeks. Fun club. Yeah. Yeah. Phoenix Live. By the way, since uh, I'm promoting your shit, you're not cutting Brea it off. Improv. <laughs> Chicago <laughs> Improv. Yeah. I work. On the uh, Plenty of Tickets uh, tour available. <laughs> Gary will be open. Available tour. Show yeah. up at eight fifteen. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen's dojo. We were so dead this weekend, Matt. <laughs> How have the shows been? Great. Yeah, we just have you done the punchlines in San Francisco. Uh, like oh, okay, cherry.